0: You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast, sex and relationship advice you can use tonight.
1: Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm your unofficial sexologist, Brandon Ware.
0: And I suppose I'm the official sexologist, a title that I will never be able to escape. (laughs) Jess O'Reilly here. Before we get started, a big thank you to Desire Resorts. They have clothing optional paradises on the Mayan Riviera as well as clothing optional couples only cruises. We are heading to Europe, to the south of France, Italy, Spain. I know we're going to Mallorca, Ibiza, Valencia.
1: Are you taking me on the next round?
0: I'm taking a guest.
1: A guest. You're a plus one.
0: I'm taking a plus one. Are you coming?
1: <laughs> I would love to come. I just hope that it's me that's on the ticket.
0: Yeah, you're, you're a good bag carrier.
1: I am very good at carrying bags. I don't know what else I'm very good at.
0: Nah, you, you bring a lot to the table. Yes, Brandon <laughs> and I will be on their upcoming cruise and be sure to check out their resorts at Desire Experience.
1: So let's jump right into the questions. It's 100 episodes, 100 questions. Where did we leave off?
0: I think we left off at 76 or something like that. We had to take a break last week. We had a little bit of a rough week last week. If you follow on Instagram, you know that our our puppy passed away after 11 good years, and so we uh, didn't answer any of the questions. We still produced an episode, but we didn't get to the questions, so we're getting back at them today and in an upcoming episode i want to talk a little bit about grief and relationships because we're dealing with that firsthand and i don't think we're fully back to ourselves i don't think i'm ready yet to to do it on air i can certainly you know talk to a therapist or a counselor off air but to share it i'm not quite there yet but in a couple of weeks i think it might be a discussion worth having because it's something that we all face at some point in our lives
1: wow yeah it was a really rough week yeah and i think when it first hit It was a little surreal. And then the 24 to 48 hours immediately after were probably two of the most difficult days that I've ever experienced.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because... I thought about it a little bit beforehand. Should we actually talk about this? Because I don't think people tune in to necessarily <laughs> hear specifically about our lives. And I never want to really feel like a downer. But it is a part of what we're going through. And it's a part of our relationship. And, you know, I, I can definitely say I'm not not back to normal yet. But uh, but getting there. And so without further ado, we're going to dive into these questions. Work is a nice distraction because we actually enjoy it. Very much. So we're going to get going with number, I guess, 77.
1: Yes. So, here's the question. I followed your three step three step approach to start difficult conversations, but I have a follow-up question. What if your partner gets defensive, lashes out or simply withdraws and refuses to talk? What if they refuse to go to therapy?
0: Oh, that's going to count as more than one question. Okay. <laughs> so, if they get defensive, first and foremost, don't react to the way they're reacting rather than worrying about how they're reacting or being critical of their reaction. If you find that they are getting defensive, probably the most disarming thing you can do is to take responsibility first. So when you say they get defensive, uh, let's say for example you've asked them, oh I I want you to kiss me more. They'll say I kiss you all the time or I'm always the one being affectionate or you never do, okay. So we know what defensiveness looks like. Uh, if they're being defensive, it's usually because they don't want to take responsibility for their actions or for a specific situation. So the best thing I think you can do is to highlight your role in the undesirable situation. So take responsibility first, and you'll probably find that they become disarmed because you're expressing your own vulnerability, and it might open them up to do the same as well. Now I see that I've seen this with couples, I've seen this in my own life, that the moment I let my guard down, other people who seem like they're digging in or being defensive will also let their guard down. So that's the, the first part, what to do if they're being defensive. If you find they're lashing out, so people will lash out if you ask something of them, they might say, oh you're never happy, I don't know what your problem is, nothing I do is never good enough. The first thing you can do, to someone who's getting aggressive like that is to really let them know that you hear them and offer reassurance. So I know you're going to want to react to what they're saying. So if they say nothing I do is ever good enough, you want to reply by saying, by saying, oh yeah, nothing you do is good enough. You always say that. But rather than that approach, why not give them the reassurance they need and say, you know what? I'm that, It sucks that you're feeling that way. I don't want to make you feel that way you are more than enough. I love you. I just want to work on this one issue. And then I think remind them that you share the same goal. I want to be a better partner to you. I want to keep the relationship strong. Uh, And I think that usually when someone's lashing out, they need a little bit of love. They need a little bit of reassurance. And then I think the third part was about withdrawing or refusing to talk. So this can be really hard. First and foremost, you have to accept the fact that not everybody's ready to engage when you're ready to engage. And you can't force someone to engage who isn't ready to. Hopefully, you know, in half an hour or an hour or tomorrow, they come around. And when you do have the opportunity to speak to them, I suggest that you try clarifying what it is you're actually looking for. Focus on solutions and ask questions to better understand them. So offer them the option of talking about it later when perhaps the mood is a little bit lighter. And really remember that their withdrawal is not something that you need to take personally. It's not necessarily a matter of their not caring. It might be a matter of it being a self-preservation strategy. They might be withdrawing in order to avoid conflict or avoid loss. They're afraid that fighting with you could lead to something bad. So they might also need reassurance that you know, you're know you working toward the same goal. So whether i know this is supposed to be rapid fire but these are big questions whether they withdraw or they lash out or they get defensive what you have to do is remember that you can't control the way they respond uh, you can only the control you can only control the manner in which you respond to their response so if you find that you're blaming your partner exclusively for an inability to resolve issues or you're blaming your partner for a communication breakdown in the relationship, it's probably time to take a step back and consider your role in their response. If you spoke differently, if you chose different words, if you approached in another way or waited for a more appropriate or opportune time, they might respond differently. We tend to get hung up on how our partners communicate and what they do wrong and why do they respond to me like this and forget that there is another person that is helping to elicit this response and that's you and and so yeah i hope that helps just a little cuz those are three really challenging responses defensiveness lashing out and withdrawal
1: and i'd like to say that i'm pretty sure that i've responded in each one of those ways or all of those ways at once and when i hear you talk about you know trying to be aware and trying to think about how you control your behavior and not somebody else's from my own experience it's really hard in the heat of the moment to to kind of think constructively about how you're trying to fix the problem like I, I find that I even I I, I want to get defensive sometimes I want to withdraw I want to do all those things so it's hard for me even when we're having these arguments or these discussions to be like okay I've got to be goal f- goal oriented I've got to focus on what the problem is and try to get to the root issue so it's I think it's really easy to look at them and be like this is overwhelming even trying to think about all this but just little baby steps along the way and you will get there.
0: Right, and we're all defensive, and we all withdraw, and we all attack. It's not you or this person's partner. We all do this. Of course, I defend. I want to defend myself. It's a matter of self-preservation. But I have to ask myself, is this useful to the conversation? Right, like, am I leading with love? Is this going to move along the relationship? Now, let me be clear. Just having this information doesn't always work for me. Right. Sometimes I'm just pissed off. Sometimes I'm just moody. Sometimes I just I don't want to talk, and. I, you know, I have to cut myself some slack just like you have to cut your partner some slack here because people do not, in the heat of the moment, in arguments behave as the best version of themselves and we have, you know, you have to forgive when they screw up.
1: So I think that was four questions in one so yes. I'm going to skip forward. This is question number, where let's call it 81. So, a little lighter. I want to go to one of those nude beaches you talk about but I'm afraid I'll get a woody. Brandon, has this happened to you? So, no is the short answer. You
0: probably wish it did.
1: <laughs> you, can always, you know, listen, sometimes it's cold outside and if you go swimming, you know, it's a thing, right? So it's never happened to me, but it's probably happened to a lot of other people. And I think it depends on the environment that you're in. So, you know, if this were to happen at, say, a nude beach where sex is not, the focal point, like no one's at a new, like at a, a na, what is it, a naturist? Naturist. Naturist. I'm sorry, <laughs> naturist. Well, I don't know. I don't. A, a, a naturist resort. I mean, sex. It's not an erotic environment. If you're in an environment where it is more erotic, perhaps a Woody is not inappropriate. But I think if if I'm making reference to desire, no, I've never had an erection on the beach. I've seen other men who have had.
0: What do they do with it?
1: Probably. Some people pointed it in certain directions, I think. I don't, I can't remember exactly what they did with it, but.
0: I think this person's talking about getting one when they don't want to get one. And all you do is just sit down on your chair. You can throw a towel over it and it will subside. I mean, if, if you want, you can wrap a towel around yourself. If, if you want to walk away and go to your room and take care of it, you can do that too. So I'm sure it happens to lots of people. And I don't think it's, it's a huge deal.
1: No, you can also feel it coming on. Get out of there. If you're really that worried, damn you NRBs. Oh,
0: you can feel it coming on?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, the blood flows. So, you know, usually there's a sensation. It's not like all of a sudden you got a hard-on but how long for no does it reason. Take? I don't know. It can happen pretty quickly. But I'm just saying, if you, even if you have 10 or 15 seconds, if you get real quick hard-ons, you can wrap a towel around yourself.
0: Yeah, you're a fast runner too.
1: I'm a really fast runner. <laughs> just, Just sprint somewhere. Okay, next question. I
0: actually want to go back because we missed the last part of that other person's question. They asked what to do if their partner won't go to therapy. Mm. And I hear this a lot. People will say like, I want to work on the relationship, but my partner won't go to therapy. If your partner won't go to therapy, go by yourself. Please don't let their refusal to seek help be an excuse for your own refusal to do the same. Because that's on you. Uh, Your A therapist is there to help you with your own behavior, with managing your own emotions, with dealing with your own reactions. A therapist is not there to change your partner's behavior and the only behavior you can change is your own. So please go to therapy on your own if your partner won't go.
1: Great answer. Okay, moving on to question number 82 here. This is very personal. Hmm. Can you make my penis bigger? No, I can't.
0: I probably could, but it would be temporary. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know there are pills and creams and machines that advertise that you can they can make your penis bigger but for the most part they don't work damn it uh, they do say that a little bit of weight loss can make it look bigger but it's not actually bigger uh, some people resort to surgery they overwhelmingly though are not satisfied with the results so we don't tend to recommend surgery. I'll just say that your penis is amazing. It's fine. It's lovely. I'm sure it's big enough. So please don't worry.
1: I like that trimming the grass around the tree so that it looks bigger.
0: Right. That's (laughs) another option. Shave it down. Mow that lawn. Mow
1: the lawn. Okay, great. Next question. Is shrinkage real?
0: You just referred to this. Yeah, shrinkage is real. So what happens is the muscles in the penis contract when they're exposed to cold temperatures and this causes a flaccid penis to appear shorter but don't worry it's a it's a function of the sympathetic nervous system and it's super temporary the penis will come back
1: You will turtle head poking out <laughs> <laughs> what's that what's that saying i'm a grower not a shower
0: well that's true some people are growers and some people are showers so some people are Larger when they're flaccid and they don't grow quite as much when they get erect and some people are smaller when they're flaccid And then when they get an erection the change or the growth is more significant
1: So whatever you are just say that you're a grower not a shower (laughs)
0: No matter what (laughs) no
1: matter what okay uh does my partner get a say in my porn habits and Apparently a whole bunch of follow-up questions to that question
0: Okay, so does your partner get a say in your porn habits? um Okay, I see two sides to this. You have a say in terms of having the right to speak up about how you feel. You don't have a right to dictate how your partner behaves, and I'm not sure you would want to. So if they have a desire to engage in a specific behavior, hopefully you want them to be able to indulge. And if you can't agree on porn use, I would say that might be a sign that you're potentially sexually incompatible. Uh, but I would say that overall, as long as porn isn't interfering in your daily interactions, so for example, you can't go to work, you can't hold a conversation, you can't have a job, you can't have relationships, porn isn't generally a real problem for most people. Hmm. So to say, do you get us? say? Sure, I mean, you, you can contribute your feelings and desires, but it doesn't mean that your partner has to oblige all of them. So I know they have a bunch of questions on this one.
1: Yeah, so the follow-up question is, is it your right to tell your partner you'd prefer they didn't want porn if it makes you jealous or if you aren't comfortable with it?
0: it? I think they mean watch porn. Sorry,
1: watch porn. I apologize. So is it your right to tell your partner you'd prefer they didn't watch porn if it makes you jealous or you aren't comfortable with it? And where is the line between advocating for what you want and being controlling? Hmm.
0: Well, of course, you can tell them you feel jealous. You can tell them you feel uncomfortable. You have a right to express how you feel, and they have a right to express how they feel about using porn. You might say, when you watch that porn, I feel jealous. I feel uncomfortable because I feel like I'm not as hot as those people, or as talented, or as flexible, or I can't take nine inches in my mouth. And they can say, well, I actually really like using porn because it's exciting. It makes me feel passionate. It entertains me. And you're both entitled to your feelings. And you're also responsible for your own feelings. So your partner's behavior can affect how you feel, but your emotional response is more complex than that. It's influenced by so many different factors, including your past, your sexual values, your sexual associations, your mood, your sleep, your previous relationships, your own experiences with porn. It's not all on your partner. It's not as simple as A leads to B. He watches porn, therefore I feel terrible about myself. It's a little bit more complex than that. So I think you can ask your partner to take your feelings into consideration and you can ask them to engage in a dialogue about porn use. And hopefully they'll be willing to listen and consider and validate your feelings. But this doesn't mean that they have to adjust their behavior to suit your needs or to make you feel better. Maybe you need to adjust the way you think to make yourself feel better. It's not all on them. And of course, you know, if you're expressing feelings of of vulnerability, I would hope that they'd respond with care and love and reassurance, um... If, on the other hand, you're making accusations and directing blame and saying, oh, you're disgusting, you watch porn, or you're obsessed with that, something's wrong with you, it's unlikely that they're going to respond with love and support. They're probably going to get defensive and come at you with their own accusations. So the way you approach these topics matters.
1: Hmm. Um, what about telling them not to watch certain kinds of porn that you're ethically opposed to, like free porn, which is often exploitive, exploitative, or porn scenes that are degrading to women?
0: Hmm. Well, I would say it's it's not uncommon to feel uncomfortable in response to scenes that depict certain acts or experiences. So, for example, degradation or age play or other sex topics that you consider taboo. But it's also not uncommon to be aroused by these scenes. And in fact, some people are simultaneously aroused and disgusted, and that can be quite an intense experience. And just because a fantasy makes you uncomfortable doesn't mean that it's inherently bad, because it's just a fantasy being depicted. And I think it's important to remember that when actors in porn consent to performing a degradation scene, for example, they're not personally being degraded. They're actors playing a role for pay with consent. So we tend to look at sexual depictions differently than we look at other fictional depictions. So if there's a movie where an actor gets shot up and they're bleeding or you know they're dismembered or something like that, we don't see those bodies as being degraded. We see it as an actor playing a role In exchange for pay and i think we should afford the same agency and respect to porn actors as well they are consenting to playing a role
1: if your partner has an issue with your porn habits should you change them or should you tell them it's your choice
0: oh lots of questions about this so I would always suggest that you consider your partner's feelings, okay, and think about whether you want to change your habits. If you do something because you feel forced to do so, it's unlikely that you'll follow through, and it's more likely that you'll find yourself frustrated and feeling resentful and going back to those habits. I think that some changes might more be more doable. So maybe they don't want you to watch porn at the dinner table. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then others might feel like a violation of your own sexual rights. If they say, no, I don't want you watching porn at all. So I think you might want to ask yourself this person who's asking the questions. I'm not sure which side they're on, but why are you uncomfortable with porn and, uncomfortable with porn in the first place? Do you consider the same moral personal issues when you look at other forms of entertainment, like I referenced a Hollywood movie or a music video? Or is your dislike really just reserved for porn alone? Are are you fearful that porn sets a standard... To which you can't compare? Do you feel as though you're not enough for your partner? Are you jealous that they're spending more time online than with you and that is that really with porn or are they doing other things? So I think it's important to consider all of these questions and talk about how you feel and consider also what you can do to adjust your feelings as opposed to solely making demands on your partner. So you know there were a number of questions in that series Overall, I hope you're both considering one another's needs and feelings, and hopefully you can find some common ground. I would say that, for instance, if I love porn and you feel that porn is something that should never be in a relationship, I think we're going to run into an impasse that is ultimately going to amount to an insurmountable compatibility issue. You can't you can't be with everyone. Nope, I, I, I mean, I always say that you can cultivate compatibility with many people, but you have to be willing to and you know there's certain values that perhaps you're not willing to compromise on.
1: All right, well let's lighten up the next question. Does Brandon have a brother?
0: Oh Brandon has a brother.
1: Oh I do. His He's... name's
0: Jonathan Ware. His address is kidding.
1: <laughs> He's a good dude. He yeah. is. He we're very different. My brother has four children, so his time is limited.
0: Your time's limited.
1: Yeah my time is limited too. I'll 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 agree with that. My brother is very creative, very artistic.
0: Yeah, he's the opposite of you.
1: Yeah, I can't draw for beans.
0: Yeah, he's my age, so he's two, two years, Couple years younger than, younger me. than Brandon. Yeah. And he's getting married in the south of France.
1: He is. In a month. Yeah, looking forward to that.
0: I won't give his Instagram handle. No. <laughs> so I, I'm guessing that person was interested in Jonathan, but Jonathan's marrying Anne, our lovely sister-in-law. So no dice on that one if that's what you were asking
1: all right uh next question if my wife has a small clitoris can she still have orgasms
0: oh yes i don't know of any evidence suggesting that the size of sexual organs impacts experience of pleasure and the thing with the clitoris is you can't see most of it right most of the parts of the clitoris Are buried beneath the skin. So when you say she has a small clitoris, and that's my Canadian accent by the way. I know many of you say clitoris, but I say clitoris. You might not be able to tell how big her clitoris is. I'm guessing that you're talking specifically just about the head of the clitoris or the glands. It might be difficult to see because it sometimes retracts beneath the hood of the clitoris or what we also call the foreskin, so it looks smaller. But Uh, As she becomes more turned on, her clitoris actually swells and becomes erect. So the internal legs and the bulbs and the shaft and all those lovely parts aren't visible to you. So just rubbing the entire vulva can feel really good. And if she is having trouble having orgasms, it's probably not because of the size of the head of her clitoris. Try other things. Try rubbing the entire vulva with your hands. Try using your mouth. Try a vibrator. I don't think it has to do with size.
1: It's kind of like the male shrinkage question, retraction. Not the question, but just you made reference to how the, clitor- the clitoris, uh, when it en- engrosses with blood, that it actually protrudes. You know what I'm saying? The shrinkage element.
0: Yeah, but but interestingly, Brandon, as you become more aroused, sometimes the head of the clitoris will actually hide back under the foreskin because it becomes too sensitive. Oh, to make
1: things more difficult for men. Or for the person that's pleasing?
0: No, it doesn't make it more difficult. It's <laughs> it's because you're annoying us and pressing it like a doorbell. Ding dong! It's trying to get away from you.
1: Anybody? Else? And that
0: is for men. I don't <laughs> I don't know women who do that.
1: Yeah, they they know better. Yeah. Right. Okay. Next question. Why does my penis keep dripping after I pee?
0: Oh, we hear about this from so many men, and there's just a, an anatomical explanation: the internal urethral sphincter, so the muscle that basically pinches the pee hole closed is several inches from the tip of your penis. So some urine gets trapped on the other side, the outside. So there's some stuff that can come out of there and a few shakes can just help to empty it out or you can run your finger along the underside from base to tip to get the rest of the liquid out.
1: Got to be careful with those shakes. Two shakes is a pull. <laughs> what? <laughs> I used to joke around about that. You know, you'd be at the urinal finishing up and there's always that one person who's giving like 18 shakes
0: is he touching himself
1: it's like you know kind of borderline man
0: do you know what i saw on facebook today i saw a post for a university dorm that offered a warning that you are not allowed to masturbate in the shower the public shower it contravenes their rules of conduct and then which makes sense to me and i'm glad that they're reminding people to masturbate in their dorm rooms but the funny thing was this is why i'm not sure if it's real or not it also stated that semen is a major cost to clogging the drain. Oh so, my question is first of all, how do they know it's semen? Did they reach in there and say, oh, this oh. substance is definitely seminal fluid?
1: I'm, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer. I'm trying to, I'm thinking of some grossness right now. Somebody cleaning out the pipes and being like, this is semen. After that's someone, your problem
0: after someone cleaned out their pipes yes you know, and then someone had to go that's a their dad pipes. joke yeah. for real here's the thing though i don't believe that semen is actually clogging the drains
1: i'm more interested how this came about because if it's a communal shower you're hearing somebody first thing in the morning midday afternoon you know just lathering up and then you hear that
0: how'd you do that
1: do you really need me to explain to everybody
0: do it again Okay. Put your penis away. (laughs) Also, that was really rapid.
1: Two shakes of pull. Got to do it quickly.
0: All right. Yeah. So I don't believe that the semen is clogging the drains. No. By the way, I I would think hair would be more of a problem. Yeah. They just don't want you masturbating in the shower, folks. Go masturbate in your... Use your room, man. Yeah. But you know what? Sometimes you have roommates.
1: There aren't people in the communal shower?
0: Well, I'm guessing that the showers also have stalls. So you don't see anyone.
1: What kind of stalls though? Because is it like the 1980s bathroom stall where there's like a four inch gap between the door and the wall? You can pretty much see whoever's in the stall.
0: Oh, I've never been in those. Really? I can't remember those. Anyway. Anyhow, go masturbate in your room.
1: Jerk it in, in your private. Room. There you go. Okay. Next question. I just started dating uh, since graduating college and being with a not so great boyfriend for four years. Hmm. Nice starting line there. I'm not sure what a healthy relationship should really look like. Can you tell me some signs of a toxic relationship? I want to know what to look for to make sure it's not an unhealthy situation.
0: Oh, well, I hope that you can, you know, trust your own intuition. Um, I, I guess you could see specific signs that your relationship is unhealthy, but you may also just want to consider more generally how a new partner, and how a new relationship affects your sense of self more on a, in a general way. So how do you feel about yourself within the context of your relationship? Because I think this can be an indicator of the relationship quality and satisfaction. Do you like yourself when you're with your partner? Do you feel confident? And do you feel liked and cared for when you're in their presence? Do you feel free to really be yourself. And if you find that you feel more confident when you're apart or when you're on your own, it might be a sign that the relationship is taking a toll on your self-worth. So I guess if you really want signs of a toxic relationship, I would say number one, if you feel as though you're walking on eggshells with your partner, if you're nervous that almost anything innocuous that you say or do may result in their You know, hurt feelings or unnecessary conflict. If you find that you have to adjust your behavior to suit their needs without really considering your own needs. You may also find that you start to adjust the way you speak. You might hide private communication with friends or family. Maybe you feel pressure to change the way you dress or behave. I I think that would be a sign that it's not so healthy. In terms of the way you communicate and the way you fight, the way you fight, Sometimes in an unhealthy situation, somebody will hold a prior act or transgression over your head and sort of use it like a weapon in arguments or use it to manipulate conversations. So for example, if you forgot their birthday last year, does this new partner constantly bring it up with you when you disagree in order to get their way, in order to make you feel badly? And if they're really hung up on something from the past... I think it's important to sit down and address the topic so you can both move on and not allow these past issues to shape the future. And then I suppose from a more broad-based perspective, if you find that you feel more critical than positive or complimentary, that might be a sign that it's not so healthy. You know, in a happy relationship, you likely have far more positive interactions than negative ones. But if you find that you're critical of one another more on a daily basis, you might want to check in and discuss how you're feeling. And maybe there's an underlying issue you need to address. You know, you asked specifically for signs, and I don't think that there are ever surefire signs, but those are some things that you might look for. But again, overall, I think relationship quality is often measured by how you feel about yourself within the context of that relationship. Great answer. Thanks, babe.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, we're going to have to stop there because it is the long weekend. We are running out of time. Wherever you're at, we hope you have a lovely weekend. Hopefully, you don't work too hard. We're going to be working, but we're going to be enjoying some sunshine.
1: Absolutely. Looking forward to it.
0: So no complaints here. Again, big thank you to you for listening. Thank you to Desire Resorts and Desire Cruises for your ongoing support. Thanks for doing this, babe. Thanks for interviewing me.
1: Thanks for providing expert answers.
0: (laughs) Have a great one, folks.